0: Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Kim Marcellus, Senior Editor of McKnight's Long-Term Care News. Providers around the country are still working their way through the fiscal 2024 proposed SNF PPS rule. In addition to outlining payment rates for next year, the rule outlines quite a few changes the agency plans to make to the Nursing Home Quality Reporting Program. Today, we're talking with Melanie Tribe-Scott, Director of Quality Innovations at Zimmit Healthcare. She's going to break down some of the measure changes for us. So thanks for being here, Melanie.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to talk about this important topic.
0: we'll we'll appreciate your insights. There's a lot to look at. Um, To start, I was just curious on on how you view these proposals as a set. Do you find them pretty extensive compared to past years?
1: Yeah, what I was noticing as I was reviewing the proposed rule, this year, 200 of the 312 pages have to do with quality initiatives. It's kind of like the year of the quality initiatives, if you will.
0: Well, I hadn't looked at it that way. That really puts it into perspective. So remind us, uh, you know, as we get started here, how do these metrics and the others that are already in place, how do they affect provider ratings? Uh, And if it goes beyond ratings, how do they affect providers? And also, do you think having more measures hurts or helps providers? So
1: I think we have to keep in mind that more measures doesn't necessarily mean better care. And that's a point that I always try to stress um, with my clients as well as when I'm teaching, that it's really the quality of the measure we've got to look at. And things change over the years. So our quality measures should change over the years as well. We have to weigh the burden of the collection of this data in cost with the benefits, the possible benefits and the possible outcomes. Um, we see sometimes duplication of quality measures mm-hmm. and that's really not benefiting anybody when we see different programs weighing the same thing. And even sometimes within the same program. And um, I would like to talk about that later on, if um, we will, is what we're seeing with the QRP and how they had several measures that were kind of really measuring the same thing they found.
0: And and so again, just uh, for that scene setting, how did the QMs end up affecting the ratings uh, and how are they used in, in other ways?
1: Yeah. So we all know that our quality measures, as well as the quality reporting program and the value-based program, is published on Care Compare. Right now, we only have two quality reporting QMs that are actually factored into the five-star domain. So what we're getting points for to make that QM rating, we only have two of those QMs are actually from the Quality Reporting Program and that is the percentage of SNF resonance with pressure ulcers injuries that are new or worsened, short stay, and the rate of successful return to home or the community from the SNF, again, a short stay resident, a short stay quality measure. So chances are that a lot of these new measures that we're seeing are not going to be added to the five-star ratings just yet. Um, that may be something that we look at in the future, but personally, I do not see that being added to the QM rating anytime soon.
0: Okay. But again, these live on Care Compare, so consumers could look Mm -hmm. at them as individual metrics and obviously also referral partners, payers, they're going to be looking at that as well.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It's not just our consumers, it's the managed cares that are going to contract with the facility, are going to look at this and decide whether or not they want to be partners with this facility. We're seeing referring hospitals look at this Um, There's even some bundle programs and ACOs that look at what the facility's five-star rating is before they enter into any kind of contract with them.
0: Okay, so let's get into the specifics of this year's proposals. So CMS is looking to add three new measures to the QRP. Of the ones that were proposed as additions, do any jump out to you as being especially concerning or, on the other hand, potentially beneficial?
1: Sure. So I um, kind of alluded to this earlier. They're proposing a discharge function score um, for fiscal year 2025. And the reason they proposed this was because they said that two of the previous measures were actually duplicative, um, where they were looking at the change in self-care and the change in mobility, as well as the discharge self-care and discharge mobility. So that's four QMs that were all part of the QRP and still are for fiscal year 2024. And they said, you know what? We really didn't see significant difference in the data between these quality measures. So what they are now doing this year is they're taking the change in self-care and the change in mobility score and kind of getting rid of that because it's duplicative, but adding the discharge function score measure, which will include both the self-care and mobility. They are keeping the discharge self-care score and the discharge mobility score. So essentially what we did here from what we're getting from the final, the proposed rule, is that they got rid of two measures because they were duplicative and it was a burden on the facilities to collect this data. And now instead we have three (laughs) duplicative quality measures instead of four. And um, I know I would like to see, and I know a lot of providers would like to see, all four go away because they're all essentially measuring the same data and they're statistically were not very much different um, per the proposed rule. And just keep this new proposed discharge function score, which measures both the self-care and the mobility and really gives us a more reliable outcome with less burden on the provider.
0: I guess baby steps, right? (laughs) Three is less than four.
1: But there is still a comment period. So we still can contact CMS and kind of let them know what we're feeling if providers out there agree.
0: Absolutely. And I know that uh, the discharge function was also uh, proposed for value-based purchasing going forward. So it's interesting that Um, you know, you're saying there's a lot of overlap here. uh, And then also that same or similar measure uh, under a second program. So I'd I'd be curious in another discussion to see how those aligned as well. But yeah, let's shift to the the two COVID vaccine measures. I think people might be surprised to see that type of data being called for out in 2025 and 2026. Um, One is for residents, one is changing the measure for healthcare personnel to capture uh, up-to-date vaccinations according to CDC guidance. So, um, you know, can you just guess a little bit about what these two proposed measures tell us about CMS's long-term thinking on COVID vaccines?
1: Yeah, so We're not going to see these go away, right? We kind of know that. It's been three years now. We know this is something that the government and the CDC um, believe strongly in for preventing and protecting the health of our frail elderly that are in the nursing homes or those institutionalized. And I hate to say it that way, but it is. That's the way the CDC looks at it. Um, people who are living in an institutional or group setting. We need to protect them against these communicable diseases such as COVID. So we're not seeing this go anywhere. There's been a lot of speculation about if the COVID vaccine will become a seasonal requirement, similar to what we do with the flu vaccine. Um, So these kind of allude to that, that this is not going anywhere. And that we're going to have to continue to report on these. Um, looking at the quality measures themselves, we look at the one for the patients and the residents. Um, this is for residents in a SNF the need to be up to date with the recommendations of COVID-19 vaccines. And that's interesting because up to date, it seems to be changing frequently. And we may see that change over the years. So rather than specifying that, they just said up to date. Um, The data will be collected using a new standardized item on the MDS. And, you know, we probably should have saw this coming because we know we have questions on there for the flu vaccine and mm-hmm. that the pneumovax is up to date so why not the covid then we look at they're changing the one for the healthcare providers and they're starting to collect data on this one the modified one quarter four of 2023 so um, you know that's just a few months away and it comes up a lot quicker than we think it does They're changing this one. The um, current measure does not include the up-to-date statement. So just have you had it, right? And they define up-to-date right now as individuals who received an updated bivalent 52 booster, individuals who received their last booster dose less than two months ago, Or individuals who completed their primary series 53 less than two months ago. What I see happening is that those are going to change over the years because if this becomes seasonal or we have newer vaccines or newer boosters, they're going to have to update this, right? So that's one of the things that we're trying to look at with the COVID vaccines. And
0: I think um, that's really interesting inclusion of of changing that measure, knowing how CMS is facing challenges around the mandate um, that here, if we tr- trigger a quality metric and we move folks up to date that way, maybe we don't have to do it uh, by changing our mandate. Um, that's just my perspective yeah. on it, but it, it's it's really an interesting tactic, I think.
1: Yeah, it is. What else I found interesting when I was reading this is the way they're defining healthcare providers. So they spelled it out that they're really looking at employees, any licensed practitioners. So that means any nurse practitioners or physicians who come into your facility students, trainees, and volunteers, and other contracted staff. So this means that the facilities are going to be required to enter data on other contracted personnel for submission to the NHSN application. But data from this category are not included in the measure, thank goodness. It's not quite included in the measure yet. But they're still required to get this information and submit it to the NHSN, which I can imagine is going to be quite a burden on them.
0: Yes, certainly. As you mentioned at the outset, all of these uh, and when they are duplicated in different systems, uh, it certainly adds up. So we're running short on time, Melanie, but I I wanted to uh, get down to something that's not actually a measure, but it was included in this uh, same area of the rule. And that is the transfer of health information proposal. So not a QM, but it would be publicly reported on Care Compare. Can you tell us a little bit about what this is? It, It feels like it's as much about technology as it is about patient care.
1: Yeah, so that one we can't forget about. This one we talked about a couple of years ago, um, and it was kind of put on hold. And now it looks like it is going to be part of the QRP here. And that's the transfer of health information to the provider and transfer of health information to the patient. And um, they're saying these are going to begin October 2025 on um, the Care Compare Refresh. Or as soon as technically feasible is kind of the term they use. Um, we see see these questions added to the MDS um, this year, this October. So we're going to be seeing that. And I agree with you. This is a lot about technology, and not only the facilities technology, but we got to take into account the. Position that this information, health information, um, is being transmitted to, what's their office set up, and another provider, right, because they could be going to another nursing home as well. So we want to make sure that we have good systems in place now, because this is coming in October, right? So we want to make sure we got good systems in place now for transmitting this health information and don't forget about being HIPAA secure.
0: Absolutely. All right. We'll stay on top of that. I think that's going to really challenge some providers, especially uh, given budgets of the last couple of years and, and investing in some of that technology has kind of had to be put off. So obviously a lot more uh, in those 200 pages you mentioned at the outset, um, but we want to thank you for giving us a quick rundown just on the highlights today. Um, we'll obviously be covering all of these things as they unfold and as the rule is finalized later this year. So follow that at McKnight's.com. But for today and for McKnight's, this is Kim Marcellus. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.